1: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Thursday, January 12th, and we'll be talking more about projections, right? Right, that's what we've been doing this this week. Kind of a lot of information and questions coming in about uh, utilizing projections, what they mean, floor, the ceiling, the median, or mean. Going back to a little bit of high school math class. Yeah, people have been enjoying it, I guess. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking today a little bit about uh, simulating lineups. How can we do that? But uh, I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Wataz here early. Kickstart, Defect, Daniel Hutchings, Bart B. Good morning. Good morning. Programming note. Okay, I have to give a programming note for tomorrow. Okay. Normally on Fridays, when there's an MMA card, when there's a UFC slate, I typically do an MMA show right we have the ground and pound podcast i'm most li- i'm most weeks i'm not going to be able to be on that show anymore i i i wasn't on right every time but most of the time so if you're a premium Rotogrinder grinder subscriber uh i will still do the expert survey so you'll still get that content but uh i won't be on as many of the the premium podcasts but that's also the reason why we we really don't have much free ufc DFS uh, type of content, so that's why on Fridays, since I play MMA all the time, uh, that I would do like a like a free a free show on Fridays. But uh, but this slate coming up, uh, I don't know. I, I'm I don't, know, I don't think I'm playing. I, I I'm not like boycotting like for from a from a sense of like like well they made late swap they're kind of ruining some of their product or whatever. It's that that they've added these these rainmakers crap to like all the contests that I normally play. Like not the large fields thing, but like the 555 and the $200 three max and the $100, whatever the hell. All the min cash bots are these Rainmaker packs and I have no interest whatsoever in it. None. I don't want NFTs. I don't want your Rainmakers, DK. I don't want any of it. I don't like. Well, you all, someone will say, oh, you could just, if you get one, then you just sell it. I don't want to go through the marketplace. I don't want to have to deal with it at all. I don't even care if you tell me it's plus EV just for my time and stress. And I don't, I just don't care, please. I don't want these rainmakers packs. I don't want them. I don't want them. So there was a why I don't even want to be stuck. I don't even care if you tell me that they're actually not even part of the prize pool. They're actually in other spots. I don't want them. I just don't want them. <laughs> oh yeah. Daniel says in, 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 the, in, the, in the, in the, in the chat, he, he makes the correct point. He makes the correct point. I'm, I'm, I'm being irrational. Let me, let me, let me at least admit to being irrational. Right. I think he says, that I think the rainmaker packs were just added last week. So they didn't cost anything from a prize pool perspective. Just ignore them and do, how do I ignore them? If they're, if I get one, can I, can I automatically, can I automatically give them away? Can I just, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it, so you're telling me, so you're telling me, Daniel, that, that, that the min cash line is still the same as it was before. And, as the normal 555, it's just that they added even more spots to give out these, these Rainmaker packs. Pass, you know, now in top 25, 25 percentile, whatever, and now this is like the 25th to 35th percentile. You tell me that, maybe I play. Even then, I just almost want to do it at a spite, not play. Right? I don't want it. I don't want a deal. I don't want it. I don't want it in my account. I I, I got, I got, I remember the, the NFL, I got the core the core two free roll. whatever I never opened it, I never it just said that ticket, the free roll when it says sitting in my account, never, never did anything with that first week that I eventually got like, like a dollar reward for a dollar reward. It's all because you were holding X, Y, and Z. You get a dollar, one DK dollar. And it's like, great. I'm, I'm the most profitable NFT holder ever, ever infinity, infinity, infinity ROI. It cost me nothing. And I made a dollar in DK dollars, which I mean, I I, I mean, I spend on DraftKings all the time because I'm playing all the time, right? So I made I made an infinity, infinity, infinity ROI. And a lot of people I know are down in NFTs or whatever, or up. And some people made money, or you know, whatever. I don't know, but turning zero dollars into one dollars for literally zero work. We're literally it. I I didn't have to know anything, and I got a dollar. So like, if if it's at that point where I could get one of these packs, never opened it, and some. Two years down the line, someone gives me five bucks or something. I, that, fine. Then maybe then. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want this stuff. I don't want it. But Daniel says uh, says he thinks that the rake and the prize pools are unchanged. They're just like adding this on to the bottom end of the payout structure. Okay. So maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Maybe I do play. But I just. Oh, these raid makers. Packs added. I don't want them. I don't want them. That's not a selling point. They did that in the NFL, like, for one or two weeks. So, like, uh, like two of the power sweeps, like, one of them or something. I just didn't play those. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want them. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I don't have to deal with it. I don't want to sell it. I don't want to have to figure it. I don't want to figure any of that crap out. So leave it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Right? Even Dana's trying, trying to say that uh, that it shouldn't matter, that it's plus EV regardless. It's like... Even the stress of like I got a pack somewhere, even that like fear of missing out. Oh, I I I landed a pack. And, and taxes, does that matter for taxes enough? How much is the pack worth? Because so I got a prize, right? I did get a prize. I don't even want to think about it. You see, you see how my mind works? I don't even want to think about it. Right? I I'd almost feel like 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 if I played a UFC slate, like in the 555, it's like either either I get min cash or come in last. I don't even want in I don't want even in that zone. I will late swap off my lineups just so I don't even come close to the bubble cuz I don't want to come just off the min cash 1.5x for actual money and be stuck with a pack that I have no idea what to do with. Nor do I care. Yeah, I could figure out what to do with. I just don't care. Don't want to do it. Right, Defix says. Defix Defix agrees with me, I think. Right. What was the mental cost of knowing it was sitting in your account, though? Well, back for the the, they gave me a free roll ticket. So it's like I didn't even I didn't get any NFL rainmakers. I never I never secured anything. They just gave me some some free ticket or something for the first week of NFL that I never used and just and it just sat there. I knew I couldn't use it. It was for an actual contest. And they still gave me a dollar credit for it, like once the NFL season was over. But I don't want to be stuck with a pack. Who's in the pack? I'm always going to be thinking, who's in the pack? Who's in the pack? Is Cyril gone in the pack? Is Derek Lewis in the pack? Is Charles Oliveira in the pack? I'm going to think about that too often. I'm not, but I mean, it could. I could. I could at times, maybe. Daniel says, well, if it hurts your brain state on my contest, that will help me. Okay, okay. See, he's out for himself. He doesn't want me in. He doesn't want me in with my six to eight lineups late swapping a million times. Yeah, yeah, well, he Daniel's probably playing the large field. The large field doesn't have those. So maybe that's what I do. Maybe I just play the large field. Maybe I just go back to that. And then you got to do all the late swap. Ah, oh, now that's even more work. Now that's even more work. Why? Why do they have to add this Rainmaker stuff so I have to do more work? Oh, whatever. That's an aside today. So that the, the programming note is tomorrow is not going to be about MMA. If if it's about MMA, that means I am playing this slate. And if it's not, because I mean my, my my philosophy is always that I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over stuff that I'm that I'm not playing. Right? I could, but I mean the whole point is that I do the I do the work and I share it on this show and I share it on Roto-Grinders because I'm already doing it. Because I'm already doing it, and I, I have a financial interest in what I'm saying, right? I've done the work as if I'm going to be booked, putting several thousand dollars on the line. Doing exactly what I'm strategically what I'm talking about, but if I have no money on the line, like, what's my incentive of doing the work? I can still do the work. I can still do the same work, but it doesn't feel the same. It feel it feels like I'm lying, right? It feels like okay, I'm not playing the slate, but here's all the work that I did. Like, well, if you did all the work, why aren't you playing the slate? And that's exactly that's the that's the catch twenty two, the paradox, or whatever you want to call it. So tomorrow may not be MMA, probably won't be. We'll just keep on going. You know, this is unstructured learning, right? You send in your questions. You see that little scroll on the bottom, right? Go send in your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You do not have to be in the YouTube chat. I, I compile all these questions and I come up with topics and address them on the show. Answer them on the show. Try to come up with thematically different days. Sometimes sometimes we'll have a week worth of stuff that is related to each other. Sometimes we'll have days that have nothing to do with one another. Sometimes. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about projections, right? I I really wanted to stress, I I got I got a comment back or an email of someone thanking me for, for, for the mental health aspect of viewing like very close lineups right? Something that, something that they need more of where, where I, I I had, I have to explain that with the range of outcomes being so wide, even though a model could be accurate in at a 0.78 R or something that like if one guy that's projected one point higher than the other doesn't score the guy that below, like you shouldn't be freaking out. Like, Oh my God, I made a bad play, right? It's so close. It's so close. Right, so the, the yeah, it may feel outcome wise on one slate that wow, if I just did this or that, I would have I would have I wouldn't have lost, or I would have won first. Right, I had a slate in NFL this 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 year in the 150 power power sweep, I believe, with the hundred dollar spot. One of them, one of them. I had one slot to go in the utility at 5400, and I and I and I played Deonta Foreman who was the highest projected player for in the late games for that price point. And then I saw that I had the highest Deonta Foreman lineup, right? I was hovering around, you know, top, the top 10, 12. And I had the highest Deonta Foreman lineup. No one else could have played Deonta Foreman. Didn't have 5,400, right, to play in that spot. So you know what I did? I stayed with Deonta Foreman. Okay. The highest projected guy for that price. I could have played Jerry Judy. He was also 5,400. So I played Deonta Foreman because Foreman projected for like two and a half, three three more median points than Judy. Deonta Foreman got got you know got cucked at the end zone twice, right? He got stuffed like three times, and then Blackshear scored and then Hubbard scored. So like Foreman had like three point eight points or something, four points, something, something like that. Jerry Judy put up thirty three points, right? Had I played Judy over Foreman, I would have won hundred thousand dollars. Would came in first place, but no, I ended up winning whatever 18th or something, something like that. And it would like maybe a grand or something, 1200. I don't know what I, but at that point doesn't matter, but it's like, Oh my God, if I just would have done this, what would have put me on this or whatever? Like Foreman was 30% on that week. So like when the, when the cards showed up, you know, lock of that game, like 30, I'm, I'm, I'm happier. He's even higher owned than I expected. I thought he would be like 18% owned. So I'm like, great. I'm blocking so many more lineups. Jerry Judy is like 3% owned. Projection-wise, median-wise, Foreman was 2.5 points higher than Judy. So that's that's how I chose not to make the late swap. It's like, okay. Let me just block as many lineups and play the highest rejected player. Like strategically, if we played this slate out a million times, that is the correct decision. But on that specific occasion, Jerry Judy beat out Deonta Foreman by 30 points. Not by a little, by a lot. Okay? That's normal. These types of things are normal. If you're gonna start getting into a depressive state because you you oh I sticked on Foreman, I should have made Judy. Like you, you're gonna you're not gonna play well. From a mathematical perspective, staying with Foreman was correct. So over the long run, over the longy long run, the long run, staying with the 30% on guy with the highest projection for that price in the spot that I was in would be correct. But if you look at the range of outcomes of the both players projections, Foreman's only going to outscore Judy like 56% of the time. I mean, like 58% of the time. I mean, not like 90% of the time. Like it's only a two and a half point medium projection difference. That's it. For Jerry Judy, that's one catch for 15 yards. That's it. That's the difference. So while the edges, you want to, you know, you're, you're playing all the time and you're playing for the long run. The edges will add up. You make, you make these 58 42 decisions more often than not over and over again. That's where, that's where your profit comes from. Not one occasion, the 42%, you know, I got, I got a, a, a bottom 10. I got a tenth percent outcome for Foreman and Judy got a ninety fifth percent outcome and that's well with that's that that's what a that's what a projection is. It's a range of outcomes. So from from a mental health state, like you shouldn't be racking, you shouldn't move on. Move on. Welcome to variance. Welcome to variance. This is a high variance game. So now obviously I've given an extreme example that, that I've experienced this year. Imagine on a day-to-day basis, in NBA. Or one, you know, guy underscores by ten points. This guy overscores by ten points. Like this is, this is all with that. This is not like outlier behavior. This is the normal day to day of playing NBA DFS or any DFS. So if you can constantly be going in day after day, going, should I change something? Oh yes. If I would have made that choice, the outcome would have been better yesterday. It's like you're not playing. You're not playing for that. You're not. It may seem like it. it's like, and I just made the bad decision, the less EV decision, the negative EV decision. I would have won yesterday. Yeah, but how about how about you making the negative EV decision all the time for the past five years? You're not a winning player then. And then you 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 would have won yesterday, and that would have what what would have happened is you made that negative EV decision yesterday. You win fifty thousand dollars, and you're like, oh great, now I'm only down ten k lifetime right that's what that's what would happen you wouldn't you wouldn't have you would have now been at the point of like maybe I finally broke even on playing dfS for five years so I've been I I lost 50 I lost sixty thousand dollars in five years playing DFS now this one time I got 50k back of it right because if you're making those negative EDV decisions all the time like that you're gonna lose money so you have to think in terms of if you made the decision over and over and over again, which which would be the correct one, which would be which would have the highest return. Do that. The outcomes you can't control. The outcomes it doesn't matter. I play I play MLB slates a lot of times. The lineups go in as long as all the starting lineups are out, and I don't have to make some weird late swaps for the Dodgers, the Angels, or some West Coast team or the Giants. Once luck hits, I'm not watching baseball. I'm not even paying attention that much. Sometimes I'm sometimes from seven to eight because I'm I'm waiting for late swaps. I see what's going on. I put on MLB TV, right? Hang out in the Discord. Oh, eight o'clock comes around. I'm done. I'm I'm gone. I unless I see that I maybe I have a sweat in the late game or something. I go okay. I got to put on this Dodgers game. But that's happened. It's few and far between that I have a sweat for first. So I just go on with my life. I go watch something else. I go out to dinner with my wife or whatever. Now I'm going to go play poker or whatever. I mean, like, why do I need to sweat all that? Now I understand if you're playing for fun. That that the sweat is the entertainment part. That's why you're playing DFS. I understand that. That's fine. Go do it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But understand, you're not you're not earning money. You're not profiting from an hourly perspective. An hourly earn by watching the games. All you're doing is creating stress and mental health problems, truthfully. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, if that guy wouldn't have done that. That just makes you a worse player. So when anyone, any anytime a DFS player, a good DFS player says like, like, yeah, I I, I put it on and I don't watch the games. That, that, that's not a bad thing. And if you choose to sweat and you enjoy the sweat, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing either. But understand from their perspective, like there's a more productive use of their time. That's sweating time. Me watching the UFC card, right? Now now there's late swap. So now now it actually is part of the productivity. But before, before late swap, I enjoyed it. It's like six hours long. You watch the fight. You hang out with people in Discord, right? You see exactly where you are. What do you need? What What's the possible optimal lineup? That type of thing you run you run through EV simulations you go and you see oh okay this guy this guy has a best shot this 150 maxer has more equity than this 150 maxer i mean you could follow along like that but ultimately there's nothing for you to there's no more decisions to be made. i just enjoy watching if i'm covid i got into mma and i'm like oh this is actually interesting to watch and i enjoy watching it so i do it, it, it to me it's the same as if i watched six hours of some show on netflix so that's why i do it i i don't do it to get oh i need an edge and some some type of i see something in this fighter and now in the next fight I, I i don't do any of that but i think people people really significantly underestimate the mental health aspects of not understanding the variance of dfs the variance of player
2: performances even within a very accurate Projection model. That's why
1: understanding where you see Kyrie Irving today, right? Based on our current projections this morning for the NBA slate. fifty-one fifty He has a 51-point median. Take out the decimal points. His floor is 36. His ceiling is 68. I mean, come on. That's a 32-point range right there. Within one standard deviation. You're telling me. So if you don't believe what I'm talking about, you're telling me that if he scores 36 points, you wouldn't be pissed if you had him at 8.8k. Be like, "Ah, Irving, eh. what happened there? What happened there, Kyrie?" But if he scored 68 points, you'd be like, "High five in the moon. You'd be walking down the street to your neighbors, high five in them." They're both the same outcome from a probability standpoint. They're both The same outcome from a probability standpoint. They're both as likely as each other. Okay? So your reaction to one versus the other should be the same. Yes, I'm aware that his range of outcomes within one standard
2: deviation is 36 to 68. Which in comparison to his salary is very good on this slate but it's anywhere from 36 to 68. I'm comparing him
1: to a, to a nine. Like we compare just based on salary, right? An 8.8 K. I'm complaining, comparing him to Jalen Brown, right? At nine K Jalen Brown's projection is 32 to 57. Kyrie is 36 to 68. I like Kyrie better. But Jalen Brown's range is like 25 points.
2: There are a lot. There are a lot of instances where those two players' distribution curves are shaded, right? Overlapped. So Jalen Brown put up 54 points, and Kyrie Irving put up 42 points. Well, Kyrie Irving, hey, that was the best play of the slate. Jalen Brown was lower owned and he did better. Yeah, For the point
1: holders we're talking about, these are like common outcomes. Kyrie Irving will beat Jalen Brown probably 60% of the time. Probably even more, probably 62, 64, 65% of the time. Let's just say it's 66%. Let's just let uh, it 66.6% of the time. Kyrie Irving... Beats Jalen Brown fantasy point-wise two out of three times. Two out of three isn't like, oh my God, it's a lock. The people treat it like that. People go, oh, 66% of the time, that's what I expect.
2: Like 33% of the time, Jalen Brown beats out Kyrie Irving.
1: Even at a projection difference of like, God knows how, like what, eight, eight points? No, no, it's seven points. So if that happens, what 33% is a lot. That's not nothing. People look at this and like, oh, this is the 95%, 5% type of thing. No, it's not. It's not. Do you, If you had a choice, betting even money on playing Irving over Brown, yeah, you play Irving over Brown. You're going to win two out of three times. All you have to do is win more than half the time and you profit. And that's where your money, that's where the money comes from. Does it mean you'll win all the time no of course not I've got I've got an email said someone or someone messaged somewhere a couple of days ago two days ago says how you know how, how do you, how do you how do you win more often seems like I lose more days than I win I go in GPP I hope so the top only the top 20 25 percent even get paid if everyone was even skilled you'd lose three out of four days Right? If you're winning, winning, profiting, more than that, you're you're never going to win first. You're probably playing lineups that have a lot of min cash equity and no first-place equity. So it's not about winning more often. Just like it's not about like getting what's going to be exactly right today. When someone asks me, it's like, so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get all your stuff. I get all the thing about about expected value. I get it, you know, Whatever the variance and the range of outcomes and all that type of stuff. But what do you think is going to (laughs) happen today? No, I have no idea what's going to happen today. We have a whole bunch of probabilities. I don't know what's going to happen today. Then these are the stupid people that are like, then what's the point? Why do I need you? What's your, what's your, what's you can't tell me what you think. Right. I don't even watch basketball. I, but how am I supposed to, they will say to me, it's like, how are you supposed to know what, to tell me what you think is going to happen today? Because DFS isn't about thinking about what's going to happen today. It's not. I don't get to control what happens today. I can only control my own decisions. But based on these probabilities, here are lineups that stand to make more money than they than, than, than they than than you put in. And as long as I do that on a day-to-day basis and a large sample size over and over and over again, I will make money. Do I know what day I make that money? No, I have no idea. I have no idea which days they are. No idea.
2: That's what variance is. And the person will be like, "Well, how does it help me tonight?" We'll just start tonight building plus EV lineups and do that every single day.
1: Does DFS end today? Does it end? Did I did I miss the memo? Did I miss the memo that DFS ended today? Have you told me that there's no more DFS after today? Yes, today's results matter a lot. Yes, I I will I will seed that point. Right? I will. I'll see the point. Like you know, DFS is going away tomorrow. All of it. DraftKings out of business. Stopping their DFS product. FanDuel almost feels like they already have, right? But they're stopping Yahoo. They're deciding to bow out. No more DFS. No more DFS. Today's the last slate. Well, hell yeah, it matters what happens on today's slate. I'm not going to be there. That long run is. I'm done. Right. I'm done. So yeah, if I could predict what's going to happen on today's slate, yeah, that would matter a lot. But it's not going away, people. It's not. It's not ending tomorrow. Are you pl- are you are you playing with your entire bankroll on the line? Your entire life roll on the line? You gotta win today. Well, that's probably poor poor bankroll management, poor life management. But then at least at least at that point, at least I could. Chalk it up saying, yes, when you when you if you're putting your entire life on the line tonight, yeah, tonight's outcome probably probably means a lot more. Probably means a lot.
2: The goal is to make profitable decisions over time.
1: People start with the, oh, what are the profitable decisions? And don't realize that they don't the other two words. Over time. Over the long run. Playing every slate. You don't have to play every slate, but every slate that you do play. And even if you do, I'm sure Daniel, Daniel, he'll chime in, in the chat. He's run, he's run some golf simulations that he used to do or something. He did Daniel dirty tenor in the chat. He's uh he's run, he's run simulations where like he's won like in actuality, like over like a two year period, like he won like 274,000. I'm just making up a number, whatever he won. Then he ran a simulation and he said that, you know, a large percentage of the time, like 20% of the time, during that t- same exact time frame, playing those same exact lineups, that 20% of the time he would be down a quarter million dollars. And then there are other instances where he's up a million dollars or some in- like, and that's within a two that's like a two-year time period or something. Like, like that in and of itself is a short sample. So, like, dude, imagine simulating out. 50 years DFS career that may still be a small sample. That's how much variance there is. So I know today I was going to talk about lineup simulations. Maybe we'll save that for tomorrow. We'll save that tomorrow. It, it goes along with this topic of really showing how close a lot of the decisions you make are. Okay. And it's like, well, how, how do we, and a lot, typically, once we start talking about close decisions, right, people's like the lizard part of the brain, right? The lizard brain thinks in terms of, well, how do we find out then when it's really close, which one is the correct one or which one is the higher EV one? Sometimes the both decisions are actually plus EV. Like you'd profit on either decision, but one may be a slightly higher profit over the vast long run. But the lizard brain, that part of your head, starts thinking of, okay, now I need to look further and further into this close decision, right? That's what the lizard brain thinks, right? Do I play this guy at this ownership or that guy at that ownership? Well, first off, if you're playing DFS, you shouldn't be concerned yourself about specific players. You should be concerned about lineups, right? We don't play players in DFS. We play lineups. But let's say you're trying to decide between two really close lineups. Really close. I like could play one single-entry lineup into this, this contest. Play this lineup and that lineup. This lineup has leverage here and projection there. This lineup has leverage on the other spot. And, like, the projection is close. The ceiling is close. The floor is close. The ownership is close. Everything's close. It's like a 3v3. Everything's close. The lizard brain goes, let me take a look at the 3v3 and should I play this guy or that guy? And this, and you still get back to that. And I'm telling you, turn off the lizard brain. Just turn it off. Wherever the lizard brain, I don't know. Is it in the front? Is it in the back? Where's the lizard? Do I, is there a tail coming out of my neck? I have no idea. And if you go back to, you know, the start of the year, where does the money come from? money comes from lineups that are nowhere near, that if you looked at the lineup compared to the two lineups you're looking at to play in the single entry GPP, and you looked at this other lineup that your opponent, that one opponent in this contest is playing, and you look and you go, why the hell are you playing that lineup? That lineup's awful, right? Projects way too low. Why are you playing that, right? And then you look at another opponent's lineup, right, in the contest. It's 500 people in the contest, whatever it is. You look at their lineup, and it's like the it's like wow, you're playing the projected median optimal. Like, good, there you go, have fun min cashing. Like, dude, that lineup is probably even going to be duped a couple of times. Like, what are you doing? That's a bad line. That's a negative EV lineup, most probably in this contest. You know, you start looking at some other lineups, and that's where the money comes from. Then you see your two lineups, and they're so close. When things are that close. The less time you should be spending on them. like that it, it's such it's such an important concept, not
2: even even from an as, from a mental health aspect. When the decision isn't isn't close, you
1: should be spending the most amount of time, right? You should be looking at your lineups later and then reviewing the slate, reviewing opponent lineups, right? the field sharper players reviewing projections from other sources even, or whatever. And you look through and you go, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I built this, this line way too contrarian for this contest, like afterwards. And you go, yeah, I, yeah, I should have, I should have played a lineup of maybe five or five points higher projected than this. Yeah. I went a little overboard or the other way of saying, yeah, I thought this two V two off the cash lineup was, was like enough leverage. And it, and it wasn't, it was it wasn't, and it wasn't. I got to get better at that, right? Those are the decisions, those types of the decisions you should be spending the most amount of time on because they matter the most. Are you going to play a lineup that's 70 points lower projected in NBA or are you going to play the, you're going to just click the button and play the projected median optimal? Neither are, neither are good. But how far off those did like, that's what you should be spending your time on. And once you get to the, Acceptable range that you're like, okay, these lineups have the have a have a the optimal in my mind. I don't want to use the term optimal, but an acceptable, competitive, appropriate balance of projection, leverage, and correlation, the three levers of DFS. Combinatorically, right? They don't share, and it's not, you know, we're not playing six of the same players in a chunk as a lot of other lineups. Okay. And they're very close. Dude, if they're so close, like that's not, dude, there's 15% rake. There's 12% rake in this contest. That's not where the money comes from. Either lineup is fine. They're both fine. They're both profitable lineups, probably. One may be slightly more profitable than the other in the long run. Now, in today's outcome, that 1v1 will be just like I said before Deonta Foreman or Jerry Jude. The outcomes today in this one slate may look Wide, but the decision—the expected value of the decision—is very, very, very close. So, when the expected value of a decision is so close, you should be spending the least time on it. Close your eyes and point at the screen. That's the lineup you play. Like if—if if that was your process at that point, once you got all the way down, you're like, okay, I got these two lineups. I like both of them. I think they're both plus EV they're both good. Once you get down to that point flip a coin. Just flip a coin. Get in the habit of that. Just flip a coin. Maybe you get down to 10 lineups. You're like I got 10 lineups. I like them all, but I can only play 3. Right? You're playing 3 max or something? Or you're just playing you're just playing large feeling just playing three lineups. Go to random.org. You can go here, right? I could go to random.org, right? Random number generator, right? 1. You got 10 lineups. So you go So one to 10, right? They're listed out, right? Click it three times. And those are the three lineups that you play, right? Okay, I'm going to play lineup nine. I'm going to play lineup 10. And I'm going to play lineup three. Then done, done, done. That's how little time you should be spending on that decision. Spend all your time on the decisions getting to that point. Once you get to that point of having a bunch of lineups that all look good to you, all are probably profitable. Which ones do I play? Which one do I play? Dude, don't rack your brain that much. It doesn't matter. The outcome may seem seem to you. That lizard brain, that reaction. NBA slate, you know, happens, starts up. Your guy's in an 8 o'clock game, and next thing you know, he has two fouls in the first three minutes, and he snowflakes. And the other guy that you played is going on this three-point shooting spree like there's no tomorrow. Then you look at your lineup and you go, oh, if I just would have played the other lineup. That's all within the accepted, that's all within the range of outcomes. On some days, it'll be the other way. Some days you're like, thank God I didn't play that lineup. I played the guy. Oh, look, I got this guy that put up, for 5,200, he put up 42 points. This other lineup, the, you know, Jonas Valanciunas fell out with 26 points at 7K or whatever the hell he is. Good thing I played, I... And then they they pat themselves on the back for making the right decision. That's like patting yourself in the back for making the right decision on a coin flip. Imagine someone did that to you. Imagine imagine you were flipping coins, right? Just flipping coins just to guess what comes up, right? Heads or tails, right? You flip the coin and the guy that you're with, you know, calls heads. It comes up heads and they they celebrate and tell you how smart they are, how skilled they are. Don't I know it? Don't I know coin flips, high-fiving, screenshotting, right? They're taking a Polaroid of it. Just to, just to an Instagram on Instagram, showing the heads. Right? Look, heads, come to me for coin flipping advice. Just ask me heads or tails. I know what's coming. Like, you know how stupid that sounds? Of course you know us. You're smart enough to know how stupid that sounds. But once you think in those terms, once you understand that these things those decisions are so close, but the variance is so high, you shouldn't be reacting to the variance you should be reacting to the decision was were those lineups close? Yes play one of them whatever happens happens and then do it again the next night and then do it again the night after that and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that and if you're building plus EV lineups
2: Over the long run, you will show profit. And in GPP, it'll come in big chunks. The amount of time you should be spending is getting to that point.
1: But once you're at that point, you can find on tonight's slate, one, two, three, four, five, six, even if you're playing small field GPPs, single entry stuff, three max stuff, the amount of viable lineups that are plus EV I could probably build 100, 500, like 500 of them. I could. I could probably get down to building 10 lineups that are close enough to each other. That if like if I if you if you pick one of them for me, I just I'm going to build I'm going to build 10 lineups that I would be comfortable with that I think is appropriate for the contest that I'm in. And if I just reached out and said, "You you pick a lineup. You pick it." I could call I could call the zoo have a monkey come and pick it. I have a little mouse race where I put the two lineups. I put the 10 lineups there. Whichever mouse gets to the end, that's the lineup. that. Like, you could do that. That could be your process. Because at that point, it doesn't matter. You could do it randomly at that point.
2: But so many people obsess over the 1v1 and the 2v2 stuff. The decision doesn't matter.
1: And if you're playing a conscious where that decision matters in the long run from an EV perspective, then you're playing the wrong contest. Those contests don't exist currently. And when they do exist, DFS is dead. Unless they lower the rake. But that's why it's so important that that a week or two ago that I started with where the money comes from, because it all goes down to that. Where does your money come from? Does it come from picking one out of 10 very
2: similar plus EV lineups? No, it comes from the players that are playing suboptimally. There aren't building lineups anywhere close to that expected value. So, if you, but you're also playing against players that may be playing slightly better lineups, slightly better lineups. You'll still be profitable. They'll be slightly more profitable. But there's still enough bad players, bad lineups,
1: that there's enough equity that you have, you could show a profit. Once you take out all the bad lineups and then you slap a 12 to 15% rake, then no one could win. In the long run, in the long run, no one could win. So from a mental health, I guess that's what we're talking about today. The mental, the mental health of projections. Maybe that's the title, the mental health. Mental health of projections. That sounds it sounds like a weird title, but whatever. People will be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I think that's very important. In poker, I mean, a lot of times the difference between good players and great players that play similarly is just the ability to, to just rarely ever go on tilt and play badly afterwards. You lose a big hand and next thing you know, you feel like you need to make it back or you play where you play too timid. Sometimes it's the other way. A lot of times it's because you're not playing within the means of your bankroll. Right? So whenever you're playing within the means of your bankroll, especially if you're playing comfortably within the means of your bankroll, those things don't they, don't they don't bother you so much. You understand the variance of this game. You should. And those things will happen. I've seen everything happen at the poker table. So when you're in that mindset, it's like, okay, so what? Okay, move on to tomorrow. What's the next slide? What do I have to work on now? You could work on that seven o'clock slate starts. Okay, I'm working on the late, the three-game late slate. No idea what's going on in the games. Don't care. Doesn't matter. I can't change anything. Obviously, other than late swap. But you know how many people, I mean, you see it on Twitter, you see, you see it in Discord, you see it everywhere. People tilting their faces off. Just absolutely tilting their faces off. These are people that don't understand what variance is. They don't understand that that these numbers in the middle, like that's sort other of thing, that's why it's so important to understand what the numbers really mean.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data
1: That Kyrie Irving's 51.67 point projection is just the 50th percentile. That's all it is. It's not a prediction he's going to score 51 tonight. It's not. Half the time he does and half the time he doesn't. That's all all it means. That's it. 85% of the time he'll score at least
2: 36. 15% of the time he'll score 68 or more. Like, that's all these mean. Once you really grasp that, now the good players understand that, but once you
1: grasp that, like, doesn't it feel like once you see how wide these range of outcomes truly
2: are, even within one standard deviation, once you understand that, you, you, you
1: absorb it in, into your heart, into your, into your, into your soul. You could go and you can see what the, the outcomes are and be like, yeah, this is, welcome to DFS. This is high variance stuff.
2: The projections aren't wrong. The projections aren't bad. It's just percentile outcomes. That's it. Which outcome happens tonight?
1: That's not, you can't control that. You would only hope to have a projection model that is very accurate over a long period of time, long run. Ownership accuracy, obviously, if you're playing GPP. And then building the best lineups you can based on those numbers, the floor, the ceiling, the standard deviation, all that type of stuff. Then we get into portfolio dynamics. Do all of that and do that well in the long run. What days you win. Well, if I would have done this over that and this over this, you shouldn't be reviewing the slate based on outcomes. You should be reviewing the slate based on your opponent's lineups. That's it. The outcomes are irrelevant at that point. You want to make the best decisions every day over time. Key words, over time. Not just yesterday. And if you do that, you will profit. Because you are playing against 80 plus percent of people that don't do that. They may luck into plus EV lineups or they can win first place with a heavily negative EV lineup, right? Negative EV doesn't mean that it always loses. Just it stands to lose money over time in the long run. And I feel like you can't really get further as a DFS player, as a serious one, without getting that mental health aspect correct. Without being able to just like, variance comes and you just like just, you just knock it off your shoulder you just move on when you win it's variance also so understand that on the other way that that's that's what gpp play is the whole point is to increase the variance of your line, right so then you can complain well i should have played this player over this player dude Any dude was it within the stand with was at least at least was it within one standard deviation the mean yes okay then what are you complaining about some weird, situ- some weird situation. Some weird situation. Some odd reason this player just isn't getting the ball. He normally has a 28% usage, and in this game he has 8%. And you're like, what happened there? They run into a completely different play set or something. Something. In NBA, I'm talking about. Then you could be like, well, did 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 we did we look at this game the right way? Did this team change their did change their rotation, change their usage patterns, or like? Then you could look into it. Some guy gets injured two minutes in the game. What do you what What are you supposed to do? Yeah, that's obviously going to be an outlier event. What are you supposed to project injuries now? You can't. Shit happens. Shrug it off. Move on to the next day, and continue making profitable decisions. So you're not going the next day. You, you know how many how many how many emails and DMs I get about process, good or bad. It's like oh, I do this process where X, Y, and Z, and I, I and and uh, and it all sounds great. I right? so I do this and then I do this and then I said okay, that fundamentally, the you're 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 on the right track. And then they're like like should I be doing something different because I've been playing for three weeks and I, I I haven't cashed or something. And I said my typical reaction is like like I just want to let you know that for three weeks not cashing like you could be the greatest DFS player ever. They go, what do you mean? I said, the greatest DFS player in the world loses three weeks in a row. I mean, like, you could be building the bet you know, the highest EV liners possible. You could be you could be brilliant. You could have lost for three weeks. So, like, are you going to change your process? No. Are you comparing it? Are you reviewing your contest? Are you seeing other decisions I could have made had I known the, this ownership, the actual ownership? Had I known lineup constructions had i had i been able to see sharp players lineups would your decisions have changed if the answer is no then you're then you're fine you're playing well who cares you came in last place move on to the next day but then i also get some some dms from people that like i listen to some of your stuff and i don't i don't buy it right i do x y and z i look into this and i look into that and i do this and that and i look their process i go how does that ever possibly work? And they said, well, I I won a GPP last year for $150,000 doing it that way. So I'm like, okay, well, bad lineups could win all the time. And also bad processes could luck into plus EV lineups. So I'm like, I don't know what to tell you then. And they're like, I don't want to change my process even though you're telling me it's fundamentally flawed based on all of your concepts. So, so it's a don't, it's not on me. It's on you. So I think you're succumbing to selection bias. Some form of confirmation bias. Right? You bet on a coin flip. Let's say you're willing to lay minus 300 on a coin flip. On a coin flip. On a 50-50 occurrence. You're willing to lay 300 to win 100. You know how dumb that is? from a math. You know. Everyone's listening. Right? You know how dumb that is. And the same guy that the screen, the screen, the Polaroid screenshot coin flipper guy, right, comes up and says, "I'm I'm the master coin flipper," right, master coin flipper on Twitter, right. You could even you could, my Patreon master coin Flipping. comes up to minus three hundred, doesn't care, minus three hundred, no sweat. Coin goes in the air, he goes tails, it comes down tails, and he high fives everyone. Obviously, it's a negative EV bet.
0: Right, obviously.
1: We all, we all could agree on that. But that one time, yeah, he called tails and he got it. Same thing happens in GPP, right? Same thing. You'd say, take a look in the lineup. Some random person put in a baseball lineup that has no stack and eight one-offs. and just managed to luck into the 2%-owned pitcher that scored 35 points. The 1%-owned guy that had two home runs batting eighth of the worst team. And a bunch of other people. Like, you just looked at the lineup and just like someone banged their head against the keyboard to make this lineup. I don't know how this wins in the long run. Then, then I start getting emails of like, "Do you still have to stack an MLB because this this specific this specific lineup won yesterday?" I said, "It's a negative EV lineup. So it's most sure a negative EV lineup. I Said, But it won yesterday. I said, "Yeah," but it's it, it's for every time it wins once, it's going to lose God knows how much money by the end of time. That fifty k that that lineup won is going to be down. It's not a profitable lineup compared to other lineups in the contest. Once you get into this mental health routine, at least, if you want to call it that, the mental health of projections. And you really truly grasp variance. Like play well, play strong or go home. Play well, play strong. And don't 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 sweat the results. The outcomes of the games and stuff. You can't do anything about it. Anyone want to chime in in the YouTube chat before we get out of here? Defix says, I'm guilty of the bink and the small dollar that would have paid X in the milli or the the 100K to first. Right, of course you overlooked the cost of playing the contest X times first. Right, of course. They go, oh, if I would have played this lineup in that contest, I would have won so much more money. I said, yeah, "But do you uh, do you play that con- you play you play the $1 single entry, right, every day, right? So he played it for 30 days or whatever like that. Well, he paid 30 bucks. Are you paying $100 in the if I would have played this at the $100 single entry, I would have won first place for 10,000." Said, "Yeah, but how about all the other times that you played in the past 100 days? What would you have lost?" Right? Oh. You're playing a dollar a day. You may lose five out of seven days. A dollar single entry, whatever. Low, really low, low, micro scapes. But the mental health of like, oh, I lost five bucks. Ain't ain't that big of a deal to you? How about if it was 500 instead? Would that be more of a big deal to you? Okay, so you have to put it yet. Now you have to play with that in mind. Let's say you're playing even hot. Let's say not, you're not playing a hundred dollar contest. You're playing the five hundred dollar contest. And those five days in a row. That's twenty five hundred dollars gone in five days. Are you going to be able to play well? Are you are you within your the means of your bankroll? No, then probably not going to play well. You're not going to build like you're going to build your lineups are going to be a little too safe, right? You're going to build a little, little too safe. Well, I'm spending a lot of money. Mm. You, ha- you would have had to do that all these other days in the past. And then lead up to today where you would have won that 10000 20000 50000 So were you doing that? No. So it's none of your concern. You shouldn't worry about it. Who cares? Play the small stakes until you build your bankroll up to bay- mid stakes and move. Dude, do it like that. That's what I did. People didn't. I'll play the 555 at MMA, right? I'll play fourth grand in MMA volume or soccer volume or NFL, even more than that. They go. Oh, you just have the you just have the money, I guess, to be to be that level. Good dude, I started seven and a half years ago playing a dollars dollars. Dollars. I would play soccer for like 30, 40 bucks. That's it. That's it. That's all I was playing. Then baseball came around. I'm like, okay, I'll try this out. And you know what I did? I played the quarter arcade, right? Or I would play like five entries into like the, they would run like the $3 large field, right? The cheapo large field. I'm like, okay, I could play. I'll play 10 lineups. I'll handle 10 lineups, 30 bucks. That's where I came from. So it's like, oh, I am ha- I have 10,000 NFL volume. That's not like, just like someone came to my door and just handed me money. And I just started playing DFS at that level. It's like, no, I played at the low stakes. I played the times where I won the $1 single entry contest or whatever the hell contest for a thousand bucks, 500, a thousand bucks. And that lineup would have won a hundred thousand dollars in another contest, Right. But I had to get into those contests. And then once I build my bankroll up, that I'm well within the means of my bankroll, which means I could play very well, playing 1% of my bankroll and being like, if I lose, it goes to zero today. It's not a big deal. It's only 1% of my bankroll. So now I could play well without having to think of that, the mental health of that aspect. And then from there, then it's like, okay, well, I was able to do it at the low stakes, so I should be able to do it. For, have a reasonably rare reasonably fair chance of doing it at, at the, in the large field, mid stakes or whatever. And there you go. NBA 2018, hundred K 50 K a couple of, you know, NBA of three or four, four, no, four or five first places and five or six figures. And from there, now, once you, once you bank hundred K now, now you have a nice bankroll, right? Kind of skyrocket, but it took me like three and a half years to even get to that point of getting that first, Really big, big. I was building it up playing soccer primarily, which doesn't have big prize pools, right? You can't win a hundred thousand in soccer, really. And then you start in the low stakes, and you move yourself up. You have to have patience; that takes time. Another thing I tell people: if you if you if you if you watch the show every day, you go back in the archives, you actually put in the work, do the study right? Get the theory of daily fantasy sports. I talk about this theory of DFS.com. Go pick up the fundamentals masterclass or the advanced course. You do that. The only difference between me and you, like if you started today, if if someone was just like, I've never played DFS and I want to be like you, right? So the only difference between me and you is that I'm seven and a half years ahead. That's it. That's the only difference. So a lot of people in the chat right here, maybe not nerdy tenor, that have been playing DFS for a year or two, right? I get get a lot of emails from players that, like, they played as a hobby off and on back, you know, 2014, 15, 16. And every once in a while, they'll throw in a lineup here. They don't play for three months. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, there's a baseball game on. I'm going to do this. So they get the sense of kind of how to play DFS or whatever like that. And then they start taking it a little bit more seriously. Like, you know, like COVID came around. It's like, there was nothing, nothing to do. So it's like, okay, I'm going to take this a little bit more seriously. So now they're playing like, you know, 50, a hundred dollars a slate. And now they're playing like five, six times a week, right? Four, five, six times a week. They're playing multiple sports. They're like a year and a half in. They show me that they're profitable. They show me, look, look, I'm last, last year I made 1700 and this year, I'm already up, you know, you know, it's halfway through the year. I'm i a three grand. And they're like, they're like, what can, can you, can you help me? Can do you do private stuff? Do you do private coaching? Can I pay you for private coaching? I said, no, I don't do private coaching, but I do do coaching. If you're a Roto Grinders premium member, I do do zoom coaching calls. So these are private coaching calls in a group setting. Two or three times a month, it's part of my Blenders Game Theory channel in our premium Discord. The next one is tomorrow, tomorrow night. So if you want to subscribe to Roto Grinders, click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month and join me. You could ask me whatever you want. We go through. You could share your screen. We could do whatever. It's open forum. Whatever you want to talk about. And it's never recorded. So you've more let, you could share your own results and your own road to track. You could do whatever. Share your own process and not have to worry about it. It's, it's getting shared everywhere or whatever. But that player, that kind of low stakes to mid stakes player, that's like, yeah, I'm profitable. I have an 8% ROI here. I have a 2% ROI there. They say, and they they asked for help. And I said, I say, say, I don't I'm not sure how much like if you've gone through all of my content, I'm not sure how much more I could help you. I said, Really, the you may be you're probably you're probably good. You're probably fine, you're probably a great player. Probably as good as I am, if that helps you. I don't think I'm the greatest player. And they go, Wow, like why why would you say that said, so the only difference between me and you as far as stakes is concerned? bankroll is concerned is that i'm five years ahead of you that that's it that's the only difference that's the only difference where, where, you, where you're at right now two years in is where i was at two years in. i mean like that's from a bankroll perspective so i'm just five i'm just five and a half years ahead of you that's it that's the only difference just keep on doing what you're doing you're fine right obviously always be learning but from a result standpoint it's like oh now my like this person would say, "I started with a thousand dollar bankroll. Now I have a five thousand dollar bankroll. Like a year later, I'm like, okay. Then a year later, they're like, oh, now I have a twenty thousand dollar bankroll. Then a year later, like, oh, I got an eighty thousand dollar bankroll." I'm like, welcome to DFS. Like, you're you're on track. You're doing the same thing I did, right? <laughs> you just you're just three years, four years, five years behind me. That's that's it. You'll get to the point where you're you're, you're playing ten k in NFL on a Sunday. And have it be like. Have it be five less than five percent of your bankroll, and you won't be sweating whether or not you played Deonta Foreman or Jerry Judy in that line. Shit happens. It is what it is. I think I made the best decision. Whatever, whatever the outcome is, I can't control. Defix says you have to find joy in learning and perfecting the process, and detach from feeling the wins and losses, which is extremely difficult. Yes, of course it is. Joe Adamo says I hit for 5k the other day today. I feel like being adventurous and max entering a higher stakes contest. I wouldn't do that. Is <laughs> It's a good idea to see, see where I stand in a bigger tournament one time or just stay in my lane. I wouldn't do that at all. Always play within the means of your bankroll. You hit for 5k. Okay. That you added to your bankroll. Now you play whatever percentage that you were playing before of that. If you, Why would you max enter the high stakes? Obviously, I think he's joking. I hope he is. If you're doing it for
2: entertainment, if this this is fun money and funny money, do whatever you want. It's not about staying in your lane. It's about
1: building up a bankroll so that you can move up in stakes and play as well as
2: possible without the stakes being something that affects your play. And Daniel
1: Hudson's is right. You could always study lineups. You would have played in the contest. You don't play, right? You don't need to light money on fire. Right, exactly. But if I would have played
2: that lineup in that contest, I would have won 100000 You got to get rid of that mindset. DFS is going to be there. It's going to be here tomorrow, Joe. It's going to be here tomorrow. Oh, you just,
1: people, people, like when I won my first 100K bink, Back in the day, 2018, oh, oh, now, oh, oh, you're going to play, you're going you're gonna to start playing, you're going to start playing the 555 now, whatever, 777, triple eights, whatever it was in NBA. I go, no. Not even going to play one lineup now, now, now that you can afford to? I go, no. Why not? Like, instead of why not, why don't, why don't I ask you Why? It's like, well, if you're good enough to win that, you're good enough to win this. It's like it's two totally different contests. One's a large field, forty thousand plus entry contest, and one's an eight hundred man contest with the best with the best DFS players in the lobby. It's a two totally different types of contests. I've been focused on my skill set at that point in the large field stuff, so I, I'm not, I'm not a small field person. So why am I burning money, burning eight hundred and eighty eight dollars? Which is would be out of a hundred k bank would be a one percent about one percent point eight percent. Why am I doing that? I could still study those contests without playing them and then develop a strategy where it's like when I do play them, the tendencies are x, y, and z, and how do I, how do I exploit a, B, and c? I do that. But even then, where does the money come
2: from? The money comes from the bad players. A lot of times in those contests, there aren't enough bad players.
1: Sometimes there are. Sometimes there's a lot of cash-ish type lineups and you can take advantage of that. It's hard to take advantage of that in NBA though because it's such a normally distributed sport that even the cash lineups have a fair bit of equity. They're not seeding as much min-cash equity as you think. They actually have higher. They have fifth place, not 10th place equity also. But in baseball, like
2: the 121 single entry, yeah, play that all the time. Play that every day. Give it to me. That gets
1: back to what we talked about a week ago, about contest selection. And equity distribution in GPPs. Where is the edge? So it shouldn't be like, oh, I made 5K. Let me step up in stakes. It's like, well, you should be, now you have 5,000 more dollars. If you're playing 5%, which I still think is too high, if you had, if you had a three thousand dollar bankroll, and now you have an eight thousand, three thousand dollar bankroll, and you were playing hundred and fifty dollars a slate, which is five percent. Now you have an eight thousand dollar bankroll. Now you can play four hundred dollars a slate. There you go. That that's the only difference. If you're playing five percent, which I still think is too high for a GPP player. People do do that. I I think it's nuts. In the chat, general question, is it good to withdraw from DFS sites and start again from the base 10 or $20 in the count? Or is it becoming the beginner again? No, that doesn't matter. The sites don't care about how much how much money you have on the site does not matter in the slightest. People ask about, oh, if I don't withdraw the money from the sites, I don't get a 1099. No, it's it's net profit on the year. You're going to get it no matter if you have it on the site or not. The sites are tracking your your how many total entries and profit and everything that you're playing. So if you take out all if you take out all your money and you have $10 in there then oh now you can get in the beginner contest it doesn't work that way. No. How much money you have on the sites is not your bankroll anyway. So how much money you have set aside for the purpose of playing DFS that that's all it is. It doesn't have to be actually shouldn't if, at, at larger levels it shouldn't even be in your account. Most of my the, the my money is Typically tied up, not tied. It's not tied up, but when it's in pre, when it's in limbo, it's always going to be in a money. It's in a money market account, so at least it's earning interest on savings. So I've some, I've some in a. I've obviously I put I, I max out my IRA, so that money goes in there. That's there will be this coming year will be sixty five hundred. it was six thousand, and then I put money in a brokerage account. I typically have like ten percent of my money in a brokerage account. Then I have the rest, my DFS money all sitting in a money market. account. Then when I need to transfer money onto DraftKings or FanDuel, I do. I transfer enough that like, if I lost every slate this month, that's what would cover me. Like that's about as much money I have. Anything past there, I moved to to get, right now they're paying like 3.2% interest now with the interest rates going high. So that's your bankroll. That's it's not how much money you have on the side. But yeah, but I I most most of my bankroll is in my money market account. So why give DraftKings that they're they're gonna be collecting interest probably on the players' reserve accounts that they can't spend it on anything from a regulatory standpoint, but they could earn money from it. So why am I giving them the money? Why am I giving them the three percent? Right? Why am I giving them the 3% on $200,000? Like, that's stupid. I'll take it. Yeah, Ben Daniel's right. Used to not care about leaving money on sites, but with the higher interest rates, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Get your 3%. 3% APR ain't bad for doing nothing. It pays my cable bill or cable and, right? What's 3%? What, if I'm getting 3 point Depends. times, I may have like 150000 on there. Maybe... Forty five. What? That's what forty five hundred dollars a year. That like pays like forty five hundred bucks. That'll pay my like like my my phone bill, my phone bill, and my gas bill. Maybe they'll pay for two bills the whole year for doing nothing. So why not? So don't leave the money on the sides. Not because they're going to go out of business, right? It's not, you're not going to lose your money. But why are you giving? The interest rates are much higher now on on a, on a at least the interest bearing savings account of the high. It obviously depends on what level. If it's like $5,000, maybe, I mean, yeah, you still find well worth it. You maybe, you won't get the best rate, but it's not doing anything. The whole point of this was not where you put your money. It's the fact that your bankroll is the money that you have set aside to devote to DFS. play, Right. It could be your life role. It could, Hey, some people it's like, it could be everything. Your entire net worth is that, but it's that it's not the money that you have on the sites. Well, I only have $200. I, I won a hundred thousand. I withdrew ninety-eight thousand. My bankroll is two thousand. It's like it doesn't have to be. Your bankroll could be hundred thousand. Just that ninety-eight of thousand of it is some is somewhere else. But it's it's liquid. You could just put more money on this. Like it, that's your bankroll. Okay. So I guess tomorrow we'll talk about lineup simulations. I planned it all out. I had the whole Excel stuff, whatever. Well, we'll talk about tom- that tomorrow. Yeah, no MMA. I'm not gonna do MMA tomorrow. Steve, Steve's listening. Make the normal orange thumbnail. The Rainmakers packs. I'm I'm, 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 not playing out of spite now. Now I, I've decided I'm not playing out of spite. Even though it may be a good slate that we have, like a mispriced fighter. I think we have two mispriced fighters. I'll have to look at it. May, maybe, maybe they'll suck me in. Maybe they'll suck me in. But I think right now I'm not playing out of spite. So I don't want, I don't want to start giving out uh, MMA stuff that I may not have looked at as much as I would beforehand. I'll still put together my little spreadsheet and whatever, but I, I'll update that tomorrow. Probably late, probably late on Friday, so I won't have it ready for Friday morning. So tomorrow we'll talk about lineup simulations. And if you have any questions that you want on the show, especially if you can't show up in YouTube, the YouTube chat. Now, of course, if you're in the YouTube chat, give me those tummy thumbs. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Remember, I answer all of them. It may not be immediate. I try to see what the questions are, and then because I once I get a bunch that are like of very similar nature, then I could say, okay, let me let me do two or three shows about this because I'm getting a lot more questions about that. Right. So send them in questions at theoryofdfs.com. Go pick up the courses, theoryofdfs.com. Basic. We're going to be talking the lineup simulations is one of the the custom Excel tools. I'll be showing that off tomorrow. Right, Daniel's showing, right? Show up and look at uh, our our little little tool in Excel and go, he could have probably written that in about seven hundred seventeen seconds or something. Right. His computer program, his robot. He probably has some robot there that that programs for him. But it'll show you some it'll show you some of these the concepts of like how close some of these lineups really are. So we'll be doing that tomorrow. Right, Daniel says he's just going to get the computer to write it for him. Yeah, there you go. I like that he's here hanging out, joining in the chat, and answering the DFS strategy questions like I do, right? Monday through Friday, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern. I almost said 7 o'clock, whatever. 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.